Good afternoon and welcome to the 71st of the COVID calls. This is a daily discussion of the COVID-19 pandemic with a diverse collection of disaster experts. My name is Scott Gabriel Knowles. I'm a historian of disasters at Drexel University in Philadelphia. Today, we have a discussion about city planning and architecture for the pandemic with Roberto Morris. You can catch COVID calls live every weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern time on YouTube Live. Just go to the COVID calls YouTube channel to watch. You can hear the COVID calls recorded as podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, or anywhere you get podcasts. You can also keep up with COVID calls via Twitter using the handle at US of Disaster or at COVID calls. Please do help spread the word and send suggestions for guests and topics. Please feel free to suggest yourself as a guest if you wish. As of today, June 22nd, 2020, there are 9,006,757 confirmed cases of COVID-19 globally, according to the Johns Hopkins University Coronavirus Resource Center. That's up from 8,550,458 cases reported Friday. Of those cases, 2,289,168 are in the United States. That's up from 2,205,307 reported Friday. There are now a total of 120,106 deaths reported in the United States from COVID-19. That's up from 118,758 deaths reported Friday. As a way to bring humanity to the numbers, I've been reading a life story or a story of advocacy for COVID-19 sufferers every day, and I'd like to continue that now. The headline is Luis Sepulveda. Chilean writer exiled by Pinochet dies at 70. This appeared in the New York Times April 20th. It's written by Rafael Minder. Luis Sepulveda, a Chilean writer whose stay among indigenous people in the Amazon led to his most celebrated novel and who was jailed during the dictatorship of Augusto Pinochet, died April 16th in Oviedo, Spain. He was 70. The cause was the novel Coronavirus, according to Tusquets, his publishing house in Barcelona. Mr. Sepulveda, who was hospitalized in February, was among the first wave of people in Spain to be diagnosed with the coronavirus. Mr. Sepulveda published several novels, children's stories, and travel books, and he also wrote and directed films. He acquired fame with his novel, The Old Man Who Read Love Stories, which appeared in 1988, which tells the story of a man who, together with his wife, leaves his mountain village to take part in the colonization of the Amazon. The book was inspired by Mr. Sepulveda's stay in the 1970s with the region's Shuar indigenous people. A review in the New York Times by David Unger compared it to one of the early works of Gabriel Garcia Marquez. In its simple language and philosophical underpinnings, it is magical, thanks to the author's skill at describing jungle life, Mr. Unger wrote. Mr. Sepulveda wrote the screenplay for a 2001 movie version starring Richard Dreyfus. Mr. Sepulveda was born on October 4, 1949, in Ovalle, a small city in central Chile. His father owned a restaurant and was a communist militant. His mother, who was of Mapuche indigenous descent, worked as a nurse. As a teenager, he joined the communist youth and then studied theater at the University of Chile. After General Pinochet staged a coup and took charge of Chile in 1973, Mr. Sepulveda was among a large number of left-wing intellectuals and political activists jailed by the regime. His prison sentence was eventually turned into house arrest. He fled and went underground, but was recaptured and sentenced again, this time to 28 years in prison. 
With support from Amnesty International, his sentence was eventually changed to exile, and he spent some time in the Amazon. In the late 1970s, Mr. Sepulveda moved around Latin America, including Nicaragua, where he joined a leftist militant group. He lived for a time in Germany, where he worked for Greenpeace, serving on one of its ships. In 1997, he settled in Spain's northern region of Asturias, where he renewed his relationship with Carmen Yanez, a poet whom he had married in Chile before the coup. Ms. Yanez had been detained and tortured by Pinochet's police, but she eventually was granted political asylum in Sweden, where she lived until she rejoined Mr. Sepulveda in Spain. She and Mr. Sepulveda had five children, Carlos, Paulina, Max, Leon, and Sebastian, who survived him. All right, I'd like to turn to our discussion for today. And really thrilled to introduce my guest, Roberto Morris, is an architect who graduated from the Pontifical Catholic University of Chile with a master's also in city design and social sciences from the London School of Economics. He's also a PhD student in civil engineering at the University of Granada. He is an expert on integrated planning, carrying capacity models, sustainability and resilience. He's worked with the UNDP, World Bank, and IADB. He was technical secretary of the Cities and Territory Ministers Committee and national director of urban projects at the Chilean Ministry of Housing and Urban Development. He was responsible for the creation of the first urban planning academic program in Chile and founder of the Chilean Planners Network. He is a professor at the School of Architecture at the Institute of Urban and Territorial Studies. He was principal investigator of the National Research Center for Integrated Risk Management, director of Cities Observatory UC, and director of Plans and Research Urban Projects Program at UC. His research is focused on developing instruments to assist decision-making through methodologies and management models that integrate people into common objectives. Uh, and he's also a friend of mine. So I'm really pleased to introduce today's guest, Roberto Morris. Roberto, thanks for making time to come on COVID Calls. Thank you, Scott, for the invitation. It's, 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 you have been doing a very impressive work with these COVID calls. It's, it's very impressive. I appreciate yeah, it. I, job. This uh, five o'clock hour has become a really important one for me <laughs> every day uh, and a place to find some some hope, I think. And I guess I'd like yeah. to, to start, uh, Roberto, the way I have been with everyone Get a sense from you, first of all, where you're calling from and how is the pandemic situation there today? Um, I am based in Santiago de Chile, um, the capital. 45% of the population of the whole country is here. Um, it's a small country, um, but we have been kind of expert in disasters for different kind of disaster. Uh, it, it's even, we feel proud of that. Uh, we, we are expert in, in, in earthquakes, but also we have a very long history of uh, other kind of uh, hazards. Um, and that is, is one of my areas of work is how we can be prepared for the next event. In the case of Chile, it's like the next month. Everybody's in some way prepared for that. And we have been learning a lot about our experience in with 
earthquakes, but it's not the same with other hazards. And I think it has been more difficult to understand the, the multi-hazard conditions of the country. Um, and we have a, to talk about the crisis that we are living now, we need to talk about the social outbreak we have in October of last year, where um, we have a huge manifestation for several months um, against the model. You know, everything started the, the economical model, the, the socio-economical model, uh, our neoliberal model. Um, everything started with a very tiny increase of the public transportation, but hours later, we were really living a kind of war trying to change the whole system, you know. Um, and now, uh, for in March, we were waiting for the second wave of the of the social outbreak. But finally, this second wave has been postponed because of the COVID uh, uh, crisis. And in the beginning, we because this was so new, so different to earthquake and other kind of things, and we were mainly waiting um, for the response of the government. And in the in the beginning, March and, and, and April, we we had some kind of hope that maybe we could do it um, well. Yeah, I, I, later, I will talk about the, 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 the distrust uh, situation mm -hmm. that we are living as a country. But as a, for the beginning, is I have to say that we have some we have some kind of hope that we were doing well or not so bad. But now we are. If you see any kind of data uh, around the world, is we are in the worst situation. You know, for the last two weeks, we are leading the world in um, infected people per million uh, and even dead people per million. Because we had this idea that we were doing well with less um, dead people, but it's not true. That is a problem. And now we are, we really don't know. We know that we are a special country. <laughs> Sometimes we had been a kind of laboratory for the world for public policies, um, but now we are in a really bad uh, situation. I don't. I, I really don't want to be really negative, but it's good to be clear about the situation right. here. Let, just to go back a little bit for those who may not be familiar, because you mentioned the social outbreak uh, from the fall, and the concern that there would be a renewal of that coming into this spring. Can you say just a little bit more about what it, the nature of the protests and what the reaction was in the capital to that, what the government's reaction was to, the, to that in the capital? Yes, it's, uh, I, I, I have to say that is in, in, in 1990, we had um, a new government, a democratic government um, for more than 30 years. We had been growing and, and decreasing the number of uh, the percentage of poor people and and growing in health. We started with five thousand dollars per capita, and now we have twenty five, twenty seven thousand. It's a lot, you know. The, the figures are great, um, but the problem that this model was 
very uneven. You know, the, the, the main problem was inequality. We knew from the 90s, we knew in the 2000s, and we and, and we know we, we know about that now. But in some way, we were expecting that our economic development could be helping us to to fix this structural problem. Um, but last year, even I have to say, last year is the final, <laughs> the final drop because we can go ten years in the past uh, to see what was happening, what kind of signals we had about the problem of this model. You know, how many people were really tired of the model, uh, angry, and we were mainly accumulating angry, like a volcano. Uh, and in, 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 in October of last year, uh, the government increased, I think it's, it's there are 30 pesos, Chilean pesos, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, I don't remember how many cents, <laughs> mm. uh, it's nothing, but it was very symbolic, but because the students, like always, because secondary students has been very important in this front line. To, to, to say that is the, the the model is not really working for everybody. Uh, even if we, if we can see how the country is a lot better. You know, there are a lot of people that is is coming from other countries to to Chile for every five years, and they say, oh, it's improving, improving. Of course, if you move in some areas, you know, in, in the same city, in the same country, but Santiago is a very good way to understand Chile. You can go to areas they are like Europe on or the best areas of New York. Uh, but if you go to other areas in the same cities, it's the third world. And it's, it's not just because of infrastructure, it's the whole way how we have been building our society, uh, because it's the access of uh, opportunities and even urban attributes has been very different. different. And, and the people were, they were tired. Um, but the response of the government was bad. You know, it, 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 we had um, decrease um, credibility of the, any kind of institution for years. You know, it, it, we were living that kind of problem: uh, distrust in the government, distrust in the church, distrust. In the private sector, in 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 the in the in the in the political parties, um, it's not just one thing. It's a very structural thing, um, and I think we knew that, but we didn't know um, how powerful could be anger, uh, and 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 because the 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 riots were so so powerful they destroyed the city the the public infrastructure and the private infrastructure uh, but the government they didn't know how to deal with that and they did it um with a lot of uh, i don't know to say but um the way how the, the the police officers they deal with the, these riots were was very very strong yeah. and terrible, um, and I have to say that the level of violence uh, in the destruction of the, of the 
facilities and the physical destruction is, is at the same level so bad like the violence among the citizens because this crisis is just a window to see the underlying conditions that we had before where we didn't really talk we didn't dialogue yeah, because in the 90s we learned that we need to move forward avoiding any kind of conflict it's better we don't need to talk about religion we don't need to talk about politics we were really waiting for the better future but it's good to understand that we didn't fix the main problem and we didn't train to the, the, uh, the this kind of dialogue we needed and we, we when you had this kind of crisis you can see how much do we need to be prepared before because in the crisis just you don't have time to fix you know and now we have a very broken society because the model is uneven uh, uh, because nobody trusts in anybody um, uh, there are a lot of friends there are um, not um, friend anymore because we don't know how to discuss. You know, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a huge thing. Uh, and that is the same that is also um, in this crisis because it's the same structure, it's the same distrust, is the same government with uh, a little, just a few, um, they don't have enough credibility. Um, and we don't. It's very difficult to see a good leadership. One of the main things of the social outbreak that it was without a very clear leadership. It was where because it's not just one agenda. It's all the agendas. Is mm-hmm. <laughs> is started because of the cause of life, but at the same time, is very connected with the way how the government has been. Um, uh, uh, treating indigenous people at the same time. Feminism has been a very strong um, movement, but later you have to go to vegans, everything. You know, it is, it's the opportunity to really change the system and the, 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 the main symbol of transformation is to change the um, constitution. You know, it's something we don't change the constitution from the 1980. And even we were doing some changes is again, it's a symbolic thing to change the, 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 um, the constitution. And it's, when you talk about this crisis, you need to also consider how we have been dealing with the other crisis and how we will deal with the second wave of the social outbreak and and in the future with climate change. So I want to remind people you're listening to COVID calls and today talking to Roberto Morris about architecture and design and COVID-19, but I'm really glad um, and as we always do in our discussions, any discussion about form and about design and about the city has to proceed from this kind of a grounding um, in the social and economic and political realities of the, of the place. And I, I find it really important in your description, Roberto, 
to understand that I think, and I think we have something similar in the United States, that ultimately we will not talk about COVID-19 pandemic as somehow beginning on a certain date, but that it will have this long precursor period. And what you're describing already, social unrest going back to the fall and much deeper, but certainly like in the streets of Santiago in the fall of 2019, which is already moving the country towards a crisis as you come into 2020. Just with that as a background, though, let's let's turn a little bit because I know you're. I mean, you're right in the center of an international network of architects and planners who are thinking, literally in this moment, about what these impacts are in Europe, in the United States, in Latin America. Um, could you tell us a little bit of what those discussions are revealing? What are we learning about how cities work right now? How they don't work? down to and also in architecture itself what what forms are now are we not going to see after COVID-19 what kind of architecture is now done what new forms might we be expecting yes I think before I I need to talk more than architecture or planning I think it's good for my understanding to talk about architects and planners Uh, it's, it's because um I am both um I'm still feel as an architect, and I teach architecture and urban design, but also I feel very comfortable in the in the in the world of planners. Um, and it's it's interesting because um, it's, it's it's like a Dr. Jekyll because they are very different, very in this different uh, settings. You know, as architects we are uh, um, educated at the center of the creation. You know, the architect. Especially if you are a good architect or famous architect, you are the important thing is are your ideas uh, and how you can create something. Of course, um, it, it depends of your of your client everything. But but the education is focused on you, and and, and even which is funny because architects we are more important in the world of architects. But for the rest of the of the world, we are not really important. We are sexy in some way. Everybody would like to be an architect in some way of their life. But we are not important uh, because we are waiting to be, to have a good project. You know, everybody is waiting to be, to have an assignment. Uh, but planners um, is, is, is different because we are not thinking in the in the center. Nobody knows a, a famous planner. You know, it's, it's more important communities. You know, uh, the, the, the it's, it's different. You know, you have you are more behind the scenes, and and at the same time, it's very difficult to see. Okay, this is my work. You know, is uh, is because you don't have that kind of interest because it's almost impossible. Uh, you can be important, but in a different way and collectively. You need to be working in groups and to, to understand the society. Um, and the, the problem with planners is um, for more, especially in Latin America and Chile, uh, planning is something that architects do. <laughs> uh, because we, normally we don't have a school of planning. And, 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 and architects, we are not really trained as a planners, um, it's a misunderstanding of the of the system. First of all, now um, the second is planners are a lot more involved in the in the in the decision making process, but at the same time, planning 
in some way is a lot more related with the future, a very long-term future, or as something which is very normative. You know, there it's, 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 it's the opposite to be sexy. It's the opposite to be important in real time. Um, but it, I think it's this crisis is a very good opportunity to, for architects, planners, and I, I, I have to say any kind of uh, uh, professionals because nobody really knows how to do it. You know, nobody has the key. We have to be very honest and, and humble to, to know that we don't know. You know, we don't know and nobody knows. And then we have to be involved in the process. And for architects, I think we cannot, we cannot wait for some definitions. Um, we have to be part of the discussion. And at the same time, in planners, we need to be more in, involved with management and actually with the uh, emergency and the urgency. And I think that is one of the ways to be checking what is really happening in the world. That is why we have been very connected because as the Chileans, we are very far. You know, in the, in the 90s, in the 80s, nobody really came to Chile. It was too far. Um, and it's expensive to come here. It's expensive for us to go to everywhere. And But now with this crisis, uh, because of the technology, it's the same for me to be here in New York. And it's a huge opportunity. Of course, it's something maybe everybody's saying that we are interacting with um, with um, technology, Zoom, and this kind of in, uh, conversations, but it's true, you know, is is we have to work at real time, trying to understand what is really happening, trying to be very open to talk with different people, and the other thing that is important now for for planning, I, I have to say, that is. Planners are we are really interested to connect evidence with decision-making process, uh, and, but it's difficult because mayors and, uh, and politicians, they need a very practical things and real time. But now everybody's watching the corpse, different kind of corpse, and everybody's talking about the future. Everybody, you know, everybody knows about the corpse. Everybody knows about what is really happening, what is happening in Spain and in Italy. And I think that is another opportunity because we are in the mood of that and we are more aware about fake news. Um, we don't want to be um, um, treated like fools, you know. And and I think that is a very important opportunity. And again, is is um, we need to connect data, not just about what is really happening now. We have to connect with the future, which means two weeks more <laughs> and one month more. But at the same time, then this is something we have been talking a lot with you, is about the past. Is it because the memory here is an instrument, is not just a, a reflection, is an instrument, and we need to use it. And we need to connect because this is another funny thing of this period. Time is really is is is, a, is more relative than than a few months ago. And we have to manage time. And I think that is another very strong uh, tool for to really think what kind of cities we will have in the future. It's, it's not just a, a metaphorical uh, uh, 
idea is 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 very practical. Mm. Mm. Are you seeing examples, um, you know, from the different cases you've looked at of uh, kind of styles of architecture or particular? I mean, I know you always proceed again from the social, but are, are there some forms right now that seem to have outlived their their utility or certain assumptions we make about mm. maybe density? I know this has been one of those conversations we wanted to move towards restoring urban density and even suburban density. And I've seen some people say, see, COVID-19 shows that we were right all along. Dispersion is is the key to, to health. Um, I wonder if, if you have any opinion about those, those different ideas. I think it's, it's, it's the time to be aware and very um, focused on to observe uh, the situation because it's, I really believe that is, there are a lot of dilemmas. I just said it's one of the main dilemma is um, density is today, and and good practices for years were were related to living denser areas uh, uh, to deal with affordable housing and transit orientated development. You know, walkable cities. The good part um, we know about that. Uh, but there are a lot of forces to the opposite side. And now I think that every agenda, every group is trying to take advantage of the crisis, even the good ones. <laughs> and, and I think sure. that is we have to be serious and take distance of that. Um, in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the 90s, uh, uh, because of the technology, uh, a lot of... Uh, uh, research and and, and, and and literature were talking about we will live in cities <laughs> uh, because we will technology will be we will need we don't, we will not need to to be working together after 9/11 was worse you know okay we will not have big towers concentration right. but we we saw that it wasn't Edward Soya was saying that in in, in his book of post metropolis he said that this is not because we have he was using this word cynicism uh, about it it's something humans we have and we need to 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 that cynicism to interact each other uh, in, in different kind of systems and uh and now i think it's is 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 the same um but it's not course it's too easy to say oh more denser areas are more uh, fragile of course that is the first level but when you see is the good part that in new york there are some kind of uh, research very recent research doing some differences because is of course a dense area is more fragile but depends of the areas where you have more overcrowded uh, uh, population that is worse you do you have more poverty that is worse. You know, is a um, minorities is worse, and then the figures in the states are really clear. And in how if you are a minority, uh, especially black people and even Latin uh, Latin American uh, Latin um, uh, citizens, they they have more chances to die. And and you have to. I think it, we need a new set of questions. It's not just to say density. Okay, we need to talk about density, but we need to define the questions now, and because, of course, in New York, in New York Times, to, last week I think 
Um, I saw some maps about uh, people in California, uh, and it's there. The, the, the people more affected is the people they need to move, they need to work. You know, they they and this more more vulnerable families is because they are obligated right. to deal with their microeconomics, and that is one of the underlying conditions we need to discuss more than that's... just density. That's a, to me, that's a really important sort of correction that it's not. And again, it's not these abstract ideas like density per se, but it's 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 racism or it's density without access to health care or density without access to transportation. So density may or may not be a, a problem, depending on how you've managed density within a society. And um, I think that's going to be, as you said, those are tensions that have been pulling Sort of urban form in one direction or another now ever since the end of world war ii probably this is just one more battle uh in that ongoing war about what it means to to um live in a sustainable way in a city but i want to um i want to ask you sort of i want to go off from that and ask you about a very special place that you've done research you do research in all sorts of very interesting places and um I want to ask you about Easter Island, because I know you've been doing research there. And, you know, the way that a pandemic can affect an island community, and particularly one with the very unique history that Easter Island has, is really important for us to consider. So I wonder if you could sort of bring us up to date a little bit on what's happened with COVID-19 and Easter Island and some of the questions that that's bringing to your mind. Yes, um, thank you, Scott. You know that this is one of my uh, obsessive uh, interests. Um, but at the same time, it's very difficult to talk about that because um, when you are a planner in Chile, uh, most of the people and most of the professionals, they live in Santiago. And of course, you are a kind of foreign everywhere. The only way to to, to, to even in, in, maybe in my neighborhood, I'm not a neighbor and a for uh, a foreign. But if I go to a poor area, uh, I, I I I need to be very. I don't know how to say, but take distance to say, okay, this is your problem, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is why we we in our team we call about we need time to to build trust and later to work with them and trying to not to give so many opinions because it's not the same that to live, to really live in some areas and especially in, in, in isolated areas or areas uh, um, in, with in indigenous territories. And I have to say that it's very difficult to, 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 to give your opinion um, freely because maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> you know, sure. It's quite possible I'm wrong. Uh, but I, 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 I can say some general things that I have been thinking about uh, Easter Island. Um, I think it, Easter Island, as any kind of island with population, is, is, a, is a good example of humanity because we, you have res- limited resources. Everyone, you know, 
the whole world has limited resources, but Ireland is a kind of laboratory for that. And 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 Easter Island is 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 the most isolated place in the world, you know, and 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 is a is a is a very specific case of that. But at the same time, its history is a history of dealing with nature, but at the same time, how society is able to have a model <laughs> to 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 have a real governability of this place, but at the same time interact with nature. I think is uh, there are different kind of theories. Um, some of them like to the the, the Easter Island uh, community, other they don't like. We really don't know exactly um, the the, the uh, who which is the real um, thesis. You know how everything really works. But we can see that they had been training for hundreds of years how to deal with their own problems and how to deal with people coming to the island. And I think is that is 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 a, is very interesting when you when you can see that culture and how the Easter Island community they with everybody you can talk with them, you can see how they understand that level of um, heritage. I, it, considering that, uh, the Easter Island has been um, living, I think, uh, at least 20 years, of course you can go at 40, but at least 20 years, a very difficult interaction with the, with the Chilean government, with the state, about the autonomy, um, about the, 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 the environmental issues, different kind of things. And I think is the last 10 years has been very important because they had been winning. The, 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 the indigenous community has been winning a lot of battles about their autonomy, about the, the way to manage the island. Mm-hmm. And one of them was the, the, the current capacity model that we had the opportunity to work with them because the current capacity model is the key tool to manage the island related with a new law uh, uh, where this law is controlling the population. So, but so it's just a, so it's to it's pause it's you there for one second, just to make sure. So yeah. the um, carrying capacity as a way to understand in a place with a fragile ecosystem, um, how many people can visit and how many people from Chile, from the mainland could potentially come there to support in work to, to do whatever kind of seasonal work might be necessary because you're talking about an environment that's as you said distant and fragile so you can't just have tourists just turning up without any sort of you know check on how many of them come and how much trash they bring and everything else this is when you talk about carrying capacity yeah this kind yeah of is it, is it, is it, the, the thing that every kind of place especially islands they should be thinking about their current capacity because it's like uh uh, Cape Town a few years ago, they didn't have water. How energy? How much energy do you need? But even the cal- mathematical calculation of the models are difficult. Is the main thing that you the the current capacity model is just a tool to manage your city, your territory, where, to to maintain a sustainable development, but depend of your vision. The, the vision of the of the of the, of the society um, 
you can have an island like uh, Galapagos or you can have an island like Tahiti. They are very different kind of models. Um, and that is the problem. If you develop the tool to model in the island or any kind of territory, but you don't have the vision in a real agreement of the society. And I think it's, um, this is important because the tourism is the main economic activity in the island. And of course, this model would be affect that economy. It's, 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 it's impossible to divide um, current capacity to the economic uh, system. But at the same time, this kind of course is, is this crisis, COVID crisis is, 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 a, is a huge challenge for the island because they don't have any kind of tourism now and will be very difficult for the future. But I have so, to so say... one day, I just want to just make yeah. so people understand the dilemma here because it's fascinating and an important one and a scary one, I think. Is that you, on One day your concern is that too many people want to come and it will destroy the art, the anthropological heritage of this place, so unique in the world. And then the next day, you literally turn the switch off because of the concern about COVID nineteen coming in and and having wreaking havoc on the health of the island. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I have to give one thing that, that is different because it's is the social sociological part or the political part because it's not just how many tourists they can go, is how many Chilean or, or nor indigenous they can stay living in the island uh -huh. to maintain the system. Because it's, of course, you can say, okay, I don't have problem to have um, uh, tourists. <laughs> I like the tourists. But the problem is how many people I need to run the island. And that is a key thing. It's, and is is the political part is they try to divide the discussion but but for us when you when you're working in an ecosystem you need to understand there are one system in a lot of subsystems and how they can work together and how authorities need to learn to how to navigate in that complexity and now i think this crisis because it's so huge it's so special they need to stop, <laughs> and I think because of the, uh, the I think it is, 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 of course they are worried, but at the same time because of the information that I ha I know, they are rethinking the island because they they need to have more agriculture, you know they need to have to be more aware about the waste, the energy, everything, you know I think the different points they had been discussing for years and decades, especially for the current capacity model. Now, this crisis is obligating the population to think how we can deal with that, because our problem is not with the government or the state of Chile or any kind of government. It's our problem. Our, in planning in our team, we work a lot about us. We, we are not writing the, 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 the plan, the developing plan for the mayor. Of course, the mayor is part of the, but the, the big question is, who is the us? Who is the good group? No, because in planning, you can see that everybody's trying to define the us, oh, our family, our community, our, this is our, we are more important than the other ones. And, and we are a lot more interested in dividing 
that really trying to connect. And I think in this kind of crisis, it's a huge opportunity to say, okay, <laughs> we need to work together. And that is, is this is happening everywhere. Uh, uh, um, it, it will be, we need to think in that way because um, in all the countries, one of the common patterns in, in, from the political perspective that the, the, the extremes are growing. No, everybody's taking advantage to, to be to be different, and we really need to think in how many things we have in common. But that is not really interested now. You know, it's, it, it, everybody's trying to define. Okay, we are we are special, uh, and of course, we, we different kind of communities they have different kind of conditions. But we have to put a lot of attention of of the common elements. That is a lot more difficult. And you need to train respect. You need to train empathy, and it's it's hard. You have uh, also research in mining region in the northern part of Chile, and uh, these are communities that are absolutely tied to mining interests. I mean, these are what we would call in the United States and company towns. It look like. Um, in which the economy is almost 100% tied to whatever kind of mining is is going on there. These this is also tremendously fragile ecosystems in which only a certain number of people um, can be there sustainably. And these are also places where you've done a lot of important work. How is COVID-19 affecting those communities? Have the mines slowed mm. down their work? Have there been outbreaks among those communities? Are they taking special precautions? Uh. Yeah, they are. Again, we need to think in what was happening the, the years before, because this is the Atacama Desert, especially the Atacama region, is is where most of the the the, the wealth of the country is coming together to at the Antofagasta region, and um, but the infrastructure the cities are not very wealthy is you know, is a is strange you know because but it's that happened in other uh, uh, mining uh, economies like australia and, and sure. south africa and it's it's, it's funny you know is is how you can divide the way how you extract the money and take it to other places but the main problem of these areas is that their cycles of the mining economy. You know, they they know that they have cycles, and they know that when you go up, you need to take advantage of the period and and to have very good salaries. And when everything go back, you need to wait. That is good in some way because you adapt, but you adapt in just one way: is wait. And the problem is when you add the fragility of the mining economy for different reasons um, and climate change that means less water or like the case of Atacama one millimeter per year but in later in three days 55 or not two years later 65 in three days you know is that is again is too dry and too wet um, and it's accumulation of problems. Um, and that I think is the main problem because with that economy, you are so communities are mainly waiting. And that is a is a big problem. And 
the good part is they know how to suffer. <laughs> you know, they, 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 it's like beers. They, 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 they know how to hibernate and to maintain the, the, the condition. And that is good for crisis, but it's really bad for sustainability in the future. And, and I think we were dealing with that before the outbreak, because when you are one of the cities of the country that should be rich, but is poor, you have a lot of anger there. And for the social outbreak, Copiapó, the, the, the capital of the, of, the, of the region of Atacama, was the, one of the most disrupted uh, cities in Chile. You know, it was a lot of violence, a lot of violence. And you say, why? <laughs> why Copiapó? Is because this accumulation of angry, because the people, they don't feel that the government, the state, and finally the whole society mm. is fair. And, and now we are um, with the COVID. The, 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 related to the infected people, it's not, not more than the other areas. In some ways, it's less, but the the face of the crisis is worse because there are a lot of vulnerability. There are a lot of poor people yeah. suffering, and that is, is I have to say that is 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 it, 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 the impact is, is is more powerful, uh, and and I'm worried, of course, because it's too fragile. They have been maintaining um, a situation where is because the problem, you know, the, the, this area, the desert, is when you see the desert, you, if you see just for a few minutes, you can see that everything is the same. But if you take your time and watch and observe things, you can recognize infrastructure, how the men have been transforming the area. And it's, 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 you need to think in that scale in here. And I think it is, is, is a, um, if you think about climate change, the impact in the Atacama region is 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 the same that in the future will be impacting to Santiago, and at least that is just at least one reason why we should be really trying to understand what is happening in the north. The problem that is in, in Chile is, is you need to be happening. The problem needs to be happening here in Santiago. If they're happening in other areas, they're not really important. And I think is 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 you know is one of the reasons because I'm very interested in to to bring that problem to the capital because at least we should be worried because for us for the future. But it's I a real problem now. When you talked about the, um, the capacity of these communities who live in the copper mining regions. Um, to suffer because of the ups and downs of the global mineral market. And, and to, that's such a powerful formulation. I hadn't quite thought of it that way. Um, what a high price uh, for what is sometimes called social resilience, you know, and, and those words to me really mask often really terrible violence and long histories yeah. of violence and and communities that have become habituated to that violence. Um, and so I think that's, that's one of the things we're talking about in the United States right now, uh, among many things we're talking about, is in structural racism, 
um, communities that sometimes we look and say, this is a very resilient community. It's gone, it's made it through wave after wave after wave of uh, violence or racism, whatever it may be. Um, that's not, that's, that may be, that's sometimes treated as an asset. I think we, we've got it all backwards and upside down there. We have to, if that is, then it's an unfortunate byproduct of struggle. And I think that's, to me, what I'm taking away from your discussion, both of Easter Island, but particularly the Atacama, um, is that that pain needs to be felt back in Santiago, maybe, for people to really fully understand um, the depth and the history of that violence. And then to layer COVID-19 on top as one more injustice, um, as you say, it may not be in some ways more measurable or worse than the everyday injustices. You didn't say that, but I, I would say it that way <laughs> of life in a place um, mm. like the Atacama for the miners. I want to stick with this for a second because I want to ask you also about the situation with the indigenous, uh, with the Mapuche in the South um, and how COVID-19 might be um, felt there, but also what kinds of, what kinds of struggles and strife, might be emerging in this moment as well. Yes. Um, the first thing I have to say that I'm not an expert in, in indigenous communities, but I have been very interested since I was a student with my, a lot of my friends. We, we, we met uh, doing voluntary work um, in indigenous areas. Um, but at the same time, I am interested because I like politics and I like geopolitics. And I think is the main geopolitical problem in Chile is the way how different governments have been managing the indigenous situation. You know, is is for years every government has been avoiding conflict. You know, is is even putting a lot of money because one of the main problems. Um, with indigenous communities, of course, is autonomy in some way, uh, but everything was put in the property, in the ownership of the of the land. Of course, is a is a really important point, but it's it's, it's not the only one, and it's of course, if we can see the policies of the last thirty years, is is not enough. The government has been putting a lot of money in giving land to the indigenous communities. But at the same time, we have been taking distance. Is We have little research about the political aspect of the indigenous movement. At the same time, it's difficult to be an expert if you are not indigenous. Again, you know, there are the, the expert or indigenous expert uh, but uh, there are a lot more people with knowledge in the culture that, the, from my understanding, the main problem is politics of land, <laughs> politics of development. And is one of the ways how society, the Chilean society, because I don't remember now the percentage, but all of us, we are in some way, Indigenous. We have all of Chilean. We, we of Chileans. We have some kind of Mapuches in our uh, uh, um, uh, DNA, but it's not part 
of the culture is something we are not educated as part of our life. And I think that is, is of course, maybe it's too small if we are talking about education, but I think it's, the, it's, it's a key thing when you think that indigenous problems is like problems of one part of the society if you don't recognize is your problem, it's our problem, because it's us. Again, our discussion about who is the us, from my understanding, is us problem. Uh, is we have a problem uh, as a country and we need to fix it. But because we have government of four years, every government is trying to put money to maintain the control and to avoid the problem to the next stage. And in the before of the of the of the social outbreak of uh, October, we had several big issues of riots, um, even some kind of terrorism. Uh, but there are there are some symbols of the indigenous movement. They are very connected to the social outbreak. And one of the funny things that is the war um, in the social outbreak related to the indigenous was more symbolic than physical because we had a lot more um, violence in in, in in other areas different than the indigenous territory than here. That was special. I, I really don't know why. But now is I think is is is, is the problem is there. And this crisis is, uh, for my understanding, one of the main problems of this crisis is has been understanding of a health crisis, and and uh, is is uh, and the leader of the of the task force in Chile is the minister of health, and and from my understanding is a multidimensional structural crisis, and we need different kind of perspective, not just the health part. It's just one of the part of the of the problems and and here is is like a shadow over the other problems and i think it, the indigenous i don't know the figures if indigenous communities has been affected more uh, than others i really don't know but i know that the problem is there is increasing and the ways how communities will be dealing with that problem will be a lot more sophisticated and because we can see how sophisticated has been our social outbreak, and mm. and we we will be dealing with this crisis for years, we have to be prepared for that. It's funny when everybody say, it, when when the social outbreak finish, we will not finish, and and even COVID COVID uh, crisis, maybe we will have some one one wave, second wave, but. We will need to deal with that in the same way how we will need to connect these couple of crises with climate change because we, it's a very long-term uh, war that we need to put now to to to, to dealing with the crisis now. We, we need to adapt uh, in, in in a different way. I don't know how to do it. I I, I don't. I, I cannot say. Oh, we have to do that. But yeah. I know that we are not go back in six months to live the, the, the kind of life that we used to have few years ago.
Well, one of the things that uh, that I'm getting from from this discussion with you is that we will not be able to disaggregate different strands of this disaster. I mean, I've seen this in the United States that the, the COVID-19 and the structural racism and the actual violence that comes through the George Floyd moment and then the economic crisis that we find ourselves in um, to somehow sort of pick and pull those apart as different science or social science problems. Um, and I know we will want to do that. People are already doing that. Um, is to really miss a much more important, much bigger picture um, of this disaster as a multi-layered sort of sort of thing, you know. And and that any disaster, and I, I think it's you know your your discussion about disaster in in Chile maybe is a place that's uh, in my understanding been hyper focused on seismic disaster. As if the preparation for an earthquake or the dealing with the aftermath of an earthquake can somehow be taken out of the social realm and treated mm -hmm. only in the technological realm or in the geoscience realm. I think that's very hard because I speak for myself. I'm trained as a hyperspecialist in a very specific area. We all train in very specific areas. But the reality I think that's being shown right now with COVID-19 and was already being shown with, with climate change is that we need a new set of instruments. We need a new way of thinking about these as multifaceted, but ultimately social issues. I mean, that's, that strikes me from what you're, you're talking about here um, as an inflection point, but how much confidence do you have that in Chile, the way disaster research works in Chile can become somehow more complicated now? In, in a good way, in a productive way. I think uh, when you asked me that, I, I, I remember when um, 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 I'm trying to remember the, uh, the uh, I, there is a report of climate change in, 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 in England. I'm trying to, I forget the name of Lord, the typical uh, Nicholas Stern. And the, 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 the Nicholas Stern, he, he came to Chile six, seven years ago, and somebody asked him about how optimistic he was about the way how we can deal with the climate change. And he said, I am quite optimistic about this. It is possible. And, I, and now I know because a few years ago, I didn't know this is possible to, to do it. But I'm less optimistic that uh, we will do it. Um, I think it's in the case of Chile, I am optimistic that we have capital, we have assets. You know, there are a lot of people where I had the opportunity to interact, talking about these issues. I can see the level of um, thinking, assessment, um, because one of the good things of Chile that we had been putting a lot of money in education, you know, for years. Especially in the last 20 years, we had a lot of scholarship of people going to different countries to study, but the problem that we didn't prepare the country to receive that people. And that means that we have even a lot of people around the world because they don't have the space to come here. And I think that is the, I am optimistic in that way because I think if we have 
the people. But if we don't change the way how we can deal with any kind of crisis, we will we will fail because in my understanding, my friends know that uh, I, I will say this because I say it all the time. The people working in special commissions f- to fix any kind of crisis is almost the same mm. of five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. It's more or less the same. Chile is so small in the concentration of power. And I think it's, of course, I'm not, I, I don't have that kind of anger of more vulnerable people against the system because I am part of the elite of the country. I have a lot of possibilities, but I can see how in different areas, the decisions are concentrated in the small groups and that groups, the same groups, they had been building the country in the same in the same way like it's now. They are trying to reinvent themselves to be part of the new generation of the new after COVID. And I think that is my main problem for me. If we are not able to change that kind of structure, even we have all these great people, it's not enough. You know, we need to change it. And that is and, and that is how I feel close to the to all these people is angry because it's, it's, and also it's a similar thing to the state. We have this problem with the social contract. We need to re rewrite the social contract and to sign it with more people. And that one of the ways is to do it with the with the with the, 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 the constitution. But it's a lot more than the constitution. It's an everyday. Um, in different groups, um, is I, 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 I want to feel that we will be learning and we will be able to change. Uh, but I have to say that I, I really worried about how we will deal with a long-term war because that is that we really want to have because the day, you know, the day of the of the the 18th of October of last year, the day of the of the of the social outbreak, I was giving a lecture about um, uncertainty and um, real time decisions. Because it's that we 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 are we have a lot of uncertainty, but at the same time, everybody wants to have a a, a a real a really quick this uh, solution. Like to 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 buy an 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 app in your yeah. phone, you know, you have a problem. Okay, yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not, you know, it's a very structural problem, and we have to deal with that. I think that is the most difficult part: how we can deal with the uncertainty and 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 take distance of a solution that it looks good in the short term, uh, but it's very difficult to think in the mid in the in the in the middle term and the long term, because if you think about the long term, you are too. Uh, theoretical, uh, you know that is is is, is, at, is at least is one of my concerns now. I take your um, chastisement in the in the spirit that it is offered, but I take it very seriously that if you're if the one group of elites manufacture the conditions that create hazards, 
And then you have another group of elites that are always on the blue ribbon task force to determine what went wrong. Uh, ultimately, you continue to perpetuate those those conditions. Um, yeah. And uh, it's a kind way of saying that the experts are part of the problem. I think this is what's happening, what I see among my colleagues in, in architecture, civil engineering, and history, economics, a strong searching right now for some new way to learn from disaster. And I think COVID-19 is very much part of that. But one of the obvious answers in front of us is we have to change who's at the table of the experts. Otherwise, the hardest yeah. questions are not being asked. Now, I want to, we're almost up on time. In fact, we're beyond time. But when have you and I ever held to time in a conversation? I, I want to, uh, I do want to come to a question here that was asked um, and maybe we can do a connection with an email, but he is asking, um, I'm wondering if Roberto Morris has a book recommendation around city planning and the social aspects of disasters. You know, it's going well when somebody wants to know what you're reading. So give us one or two. What's on your nightstand, Roberto? Books you mm. really turn to. For, for me, there are several, and uh, I, I give us I one or say, two of the top ones. <laughs> I think the first is uh, is my favorite book of last year is uh, Eric Klinenberg, Palace for the People. is okay. is about uh, social infrastructure. It's an amazing book um, about how we need to build infrastructure uh, from the social perspective. It's not just to have amenities, you know. It's to think. In the, in, the, in, the, in the connection between diagnosis and action and how every kind of thing that we build have to be prepared to transform the environment, to adapt to the conditions. And I think it's, a, it's, 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 it's beautiful how different perspective he can uh, give us in that book. I have been yeah. recommending. So that's Eric Leinenberg. <laughs> of... He's a professor at NYU, sociologist, palaces for the people. Okay. What else? Yes. Is, um, the other, I think, is, is last year also, is uh, Malcolm Gladwell um, talking to strangers. I think is. is um, now, especially now, because of the, of the, of the, Social unrest in unrest in in, in in state and in the world is important, but it's mainly because we don't know how to manage differences, and I think in planning that is very important. Of course, the problem in the world of architects that is we are trained to believe that one building can change everything, and I think if we had been too much attention in the objects. And and we need to to be more to be focused in other things. And and, and the main thing is people. <laughs> and that is why I, I, I imagine I think in that kind of books. And also there is um um the um, ostrich paradigm paradox. Mm -hmm. The ostrich paradox of, of Ken Rother um is because there are uh, the, the ostrich is, is, is interesting because everybody said that the ostrich are shy and they are they put the the the, the head under the under the the the, the earth the soil um, but is they exactly the opposite they are very smart they are very alert they 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 don't have wings they need to 
they, they are very heavy and they need to run and to be worried about the context. And I think that is something we, we need to be very worried about the context, uh, to be sensitive, to be sensitive uh, about the problems of the different part of the society. And at the same time, to be sensitive about yourself. Uh, one of the things that I am been learning the last years is, is, is how I need to be good. I have to be, I need to love me first. <laughs> you need, I need to be uh, um, healthy. And later, to be, I need to be worried about my um, mood, my situation, and later to learn how to deal with the situation. I think that is, is something we need to learn, how we can navigate with our own body and soul before mm. and later to be ready to 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 talk to the rest to respect uh, the, the your your the people that you work to, to have empathy because to to respect people is easy in some way but to have empathy is a lot more Sorry. difficult but later when you understand the situation that you have to question okay yeah. what kind of thing i will do and i think is that is when, from my understanding, when you talk about planning, especially in this crisis, you have to be worried about people and the small group of interaction, families, and later, and, and to escalate the problems. Because it's very easy. We don't have time yeah. to talk about resilience, but it's very easy to, if you talk about resilience, it's to talk about constructions, you know, the, 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 the physical part. Of course, it's part of that, but we need to to trust uh, in, in your community. You need to trust in your mayor. You need to trust in your president. We, because we don't have that kind of trust, it's very difficult to navigate in this in this, in this crisis or any kind of crisis. But for that, we need to train that thing. It's not just to yeah. say it. We need to train it. I want to remind people you've been listening to COVID calls and tomorrow we'll continue our Academy of Natural Sciences discussions. Tomorrow we'll be talking about environmental justice with Mary Angelis Arce, Roland Wall and Alexis Schulman at five o'clock Eastern time. And today it's been my great honor to talk with Roberto Morris and we've covered so many different topics today. Roberto, thank you so much for coming on COVID calls and sharing your wisdom and the problems that you're thinking about wrestling with right now. Thank and you very much. Thank you very course, much. Of course. So I want everybody to say now we, Actually, yeah. I have to say that we had been doing a series of conversations about COVID with APA, uh, and we did it one, uh, APA that planned Red, our, our Chilean Network Association, uh, um, is, 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 uh, uh, is something we have been building with APA in California. Now we are uh, preparing a second series with people from New York. I think it would be, it's, okay. it's exciting. Um, where, can can people, invite. where can people find the information about this American Planning Association Plan Red series? Where can they locate that? On your website? Um, we have a website, yes. COVID Conversaciones is in Spanish. <laughs> COVIDconversaciones.cl. I can, okay. I can share it. COVIDconversaciones.cl, check that out. Or you can email me directly, sgk23 at drexel.edu. We'll make that connection to Roberto. 
Stay healthy, everyone. We'll see you five o'clock tomorrow. Roberto, thanks again. Thank you very much. Uh,